Welcome to Passion Life Church. We just come before you and we thank you. And we honor you, Lord, for who you are to us. We thank you that you are good. And you truly have done great things. And Lord, this morning, we give you praise even advance for what you are about to do in our lives. Father God, we thank you that you are good. And Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to us. Lord, the word that we need to hear. Father, I pray that you would speak to us not only by your word, but by your spirit, oh God. Minister every person who's watching online. Minister to every person throughout the sound of my voice, whether they're watching now or, or a week from now, a month from now. Touch every person's heart in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Welcome to the house of the Lord. How many of you know there's joy in God's house today? If you have your Bibles, take them out. You know, we're continuing this amazing series that we've simply entitled, I Can Do Hard Things. And it comes out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, I want you to repeat that with me. Let's say it together. Come on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say it again. Come on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right, we're going to do it one more time, but we're going to do it a little bit louder. Come on, are you ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the reality of it is, is that we can do all things because Jesus already did them. What do you mean? You know, it's interesting when you think about it. Jesus died. Why? So we could live. I mean, we could really live a great life. He became weak, the scripture says. Why? He became weak so you could become strong. You know, the Bible also says that he actually became poor. He became poor so you could be well supplied. He became sick so you can be well. And I just want to speak to some people this morning. If you have sickness in your body this morning, if you're fighting sickness right now, we as Passion Life Church, we put our faith together and we Unite it with yours, and we believe for healing in the name of Jesus, that your body will be whole in Jesus' name. I speak strength to people's bodies in the name of Jesus, whether you're in person or you're watching online. Come on, just receive that today. But do you know that Jesus actually suffered, and he suffered, why? So you and I could overcome. Can I hear a good amen? Any overcomers in the room today? That's what he did. So we can do because he already did. And there's hard things in life, right? And we can do hard things, not just the easy things. Easy things are, are you okay back there? All right, I, they're moving, so I'm, I'm, they're still alive, all right? So, <laughs> you're all right, okay, they're, they're good. So the reality of it is, is that we can do because he already did. And life is full of easy things, and we love doing the easy things. But how many of you know life is full of hard things? And we could say it this way, the must-dos, the things that you, you got to do. Sometimes, man, you just don't like to do. And sometimes those are just really beyond your control, right? You have to do the hard things. But I just want to encourage you, whatever you're facing today, whatever it is, listen, we can't give up in the hard times. Can I hear your good amen? We can't give up, and I'm going to tell you why. 
There's too much good ahead of you. See, oftentimes we just look at today or we look at our past. And a lot of times I think we can make the mistake of judging our future based on our past. But the Bible says that God's mercies are new every single morning. So every morning there's newness. Come on, somebody. Every morning God has something new. And so tomorrow I believe that there's so much good ahead of you. So we can't collapse under the must do. We can't collapse under the hard things, right? And it's a reality, especially for us as children of God that you don't have to be defined by your past. Anybody say a good amen? Amen. Listen, we don't have to be defined by our weaknesses. Anybody have some weaknesses? We all have weaknesses, right? We don't have to define ourselves by our circumstances, by people's opinions. Anybody have some people talking about you or speaking negative things over your life? Sometimes that's friends, sometimes that's family. But the great thing is you don't have to be defined by those things. We don't have to be defined by the forces that are rising up against us. And here's the reality, because Jesus overcame. And Jesus is alive, and because he is alive on the inside of you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? I love, I'm hearing, I hear it every week from my family. I was just with my family out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shout out. But anyway, we were there, and uh, man, I heard some of my family, and shout out to my Aunt Nancy from New Jersey who's watching today, right? And I had some of my family said, Phil, because my grandmother just passed away, it was really tough on our family, but I had people walk up to me and say, you know what? She passed away, but I can do the hard things. Come on, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I love that. So are you ready for this? Not only do I believe that you and I can do the hard things, I believe we can do them well. Come on. I can believe that we can walk through. So when people at work look at us and just go, hey, uh, you know, I know there's a lot going on, but look at you. How are you doing the hard things? Because you say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Let's give him the greatest round of applause this morning. Come on. He's good. And I actually believe, can I encourage you this morning? I actually believe this. I actually believe that you can go through hard things, do them well, and actually come out better than you even started. Come on, anybody receive that this morning? And so here's what we've been doing in this series. When we go through hard things, sometimes we don't know what to do, what we should do. So we've been talking about some of the things that we can do while we're going through the hard things. And one of the things we said is we can always praise God. We said we can always pray. We can always be devoted. Last week we talked about we can can change. We can do things different. And today what I want to talk about is when we go through hard things, here's another thing we can do. We can take a stand. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. We can take a stand. You know, the word stand means this, to face or encounter something. Anyone had to face (laughs) or you've encountered something that has made you have to make a decision? Uh, maybe sometimes a hard decision. And here's the truth. I mean, you can either give in or you can take a stand. You can kind of just go along to get along or you can take a stand. And I feel like, especially in today's world, there's a pressure for us as Christians to just compromise, right? And, uh, but here's the reality. We're going to make a stand. And I want to look at some young men today in the Bible who took a stand. I want to watch what, what they did. I want to look at what they did. And then I want to look at what God did when they took a stand. And then I want to share with you seven things that I believe we need to take a stand for. Have you found 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8? It says this. These are the names of the mighty men. Come on, say mighty men. Don't we need some mighty men? Come on, ladies, say amen. 
Amen, Phil. We need some mighty men. Amen, brother. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Remember King David? He was the one that killed the giant, uh, the Philistine Goliath. It says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph Besabeth, the Teclamite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino with Enzite because he had killed 800 men at one time. How many people did he kill? 800 men at one time time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel who retreated, and the men of Israel had retreated, he also had attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah. Everybody say Shammah. Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite, the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Now, the Philistines were the enemies of God's people. And so they were always attacking God's people. But there were some who had incredible victories. You remember David? All of the Navy SEALs, right, were on the sidelines. All of the armies of Israel were on the sidelines, and they were just looking at Goliath. And Goliath was coming out, and he was talking smack about God. And here comes this little teenager. They think he was probably about 14, 15 years old in a slingshot. And he won one shot in Goliath's head, and he went down. And then David went over, took off his, uh, Goliath's sword, and killed Goliath with his own sword by just cutting his head off. How many of you know sometimes you can't let your giants live? you got to cut their heads off so they don't get back up and attack you again. But the Philistines were a problem. But what I love about this is that David was a mighty man, and so he had three top dogs. I mean, these guys were the top of the top. There was 30 mighty men, but there were three who were just incredible. And the Bible talks about Eleazar. He talks about how he, when the Philistines came against him, his hand got weary on the sword, but his hand got weary, and then it started to stick to the sword, and he fought against the Philistines. But I want us to see something this morning as we talk about standing, because these guys had incredible victories when other people didn't. And I want you to notice what we just read. One slew 800 men because he stood up. Eleazar stood up. Now watch this. The Bible says, so here comes the enemy. They're coming against him. So not only does he have this problem, but he looks behind him to all his homies in the back and go, you guys got my back. There's no homies in the back to get his back because they all ran like chickens. So not only is he dealing with the attack of the enemy, he's dealing with nobody wants to stand with him. And here's what we need to know. You need to know that there are a lot of Christians like this that will tuck tail and run. But what we need in Passion Life Church in Marietta, Temecula, Elsinore, Wildemar, or Wild Omar, however you say it, we need Christians that will make a stand when others are running in fear. Can I hear a good amen today? 
Come on, I'm preaching better than you're acting. I was on a flight all day yesterday, about 12 hours, and I came, and I'm ready to take on the enemy. But I want you to know that because when people leave, and the odds are the majority of people are leaving, one person stood up. So just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's right. And here's what I love about Eleazar, and I want you to think about this. It said Eleazar stood God brought the victory. Eleazar stood, God brought the victory. And watch what happened. He got tired, my church family. He got tired. And here's what we can do in hard times. We can either retreat or you can stand. But I love the humanness of the Bible, how it describes that his hand got tired on the sword. Now, here's what you and I have. We don't walk around with a physical sword. But the Bible calls this in Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the spirit. And so we fight spiritual things with spiritual weapons. This is a spiritual weapon. So let me say it this way. When times got hard and the enemy comes in, he got weak. But what he did was he grabbed harder instead of quitting. He leaned in more instead of leaning out. And pastoring for 35 years, when hard times come, I'm telling you, that's pretty much the two options. Either you're going to grab a hold of this or you're going to let it go. You're going to grab the weapon of the sword of the spirit and you're going to fight the enemy or you're going to walk back and retreat like a dog with its tail between its legs. And here's the reality. Jesus died on the cross to give us the victory so we can win and overcome, not tuck tail and run. Come on, somebody. I'm glad three people are excited about victory. Where are the others at? See what I told you about the odds? But you'll never win if you quit. You'll never win if you don't stand. And I always ask myself this question. What happens if Eleazar didn't stand? It doesn't say that Eleazar surrendered and God won the victory. It said that Eleazar stood and God won the victory. So what I do affects what God does. What I do, well, you know, I'm just going to, well, he's God. If he wants me to have a victory, he'll bring about the victory. I don't know what Bible you read. I know that sounds real spiritual, like, oh, I'm honoring God. Actually, is it honoring God when you just say, God, I'm just going to lay here and you just do whatever? No, when he got the sword, his hand, can I say it this way? His life became one with the sword. His life became one with the word. And so he dove in instead of quitting and retreating. And the Bible says that God won the victory for them. So what happens when you make a decision to stand? God stands with you. And then it talks about Shama. I love this guy. Shama owns some beans. I'm thinking they're coffee beans. I don't know, but they're lentils. And he's in his field, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes against him. The Bible says he got in the middle of his field. And again, the people saw the enemy. They took off. Right? They took off. And the Bible says that Shama stood his ground. In his field of beans. And I love this because I'm like, these beans must have meant a lot to this guy. But you know what these beans represented to Shama? He's like, this is my legacy. This is what I'm going to hand down to my kids. 
I'm going to give them my business. I'm going to give them my field of beans. Nobody's taken my field of beans. Nobody's going to take my legacy from me, not the enemy. And the Bible says he stood his ground. You know what made me laugh about this? Is that God cared about Shama's beans. You know why God cared about Shama's beans? God cared about Shama's beans because Shama cared about his beans. You know, this shows me that God cares about what you care about and what you stand for, God will stand for. But if you don't stand, God won't. You know what he could have said? Okay, Philistines, you know what? Go ahead and take it and God will just restore everything. No, he said, this is my family's beans. We have worked this ground. We have worked this ground and nobody's gonna take away my beans. And he stood his ground. And the Bible says when Shama stood his ground, God brought the victory. Come on, somebody. And here's what I wanna ask. What is your field of beans? What... What do you think in your life is worth fighting for? Not everything's worth fighting for. You don't have to show up to every fight you're invited for. I think it's, I'm just perplexed, and I'm not here to get political, but there's one word that are starting fights, one word. It's called vaccine. People are going cray-cray. Uh, we, were at, we, <laughs> we were at a family gathering, you know, and uh, we were at a hotel, and there's a huge fire pit. And there were some other people. I mean, we had like 25, 30 people. And we wanted to sit around this fire pit. And there was like four people there. I told my friend, I told my cousin, I said, hey, you want to get these four people to leave? I said, why don't we just go over there, sit down, start talking about the vaccine? You want, and people get upset. It's a, and you know what? I have, I have, this is my personal opinion. I'm not going to argue with you about it. Do whatever you feel in your heart to do. But it's not a fight for me that I want to get involved in. I don't show up to every fight. Because some people just like to fight. There's no winning in this. Come on, come on, say good, better, amen. Right? Why? I want to fight. And here's my question. Because for Shama, it was like, this is, my, this is my field of beans. What is your field of beans? Because he said, this is my legacy for my family. And my legacy for my family, what I'm handing down to my family, is worth fighting for. And I want to ask you this today, because I think we need to think about this. And not just because I was at a funeral this week, but I want to ask you, what is your legacy going to be? Are you going to have a legacy of you were the quitter? You were the one that tucked tail and run where your family all knew? Man, you know, we didn't stand for anything. And we've heard the quote, right? If you stand, if you don't stand for anything, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. What is going to be your legacy? What are your kids going to see that you actually stand up and fight for? What is your field of beans? And I always ask myself this question. If Shama, Eleazar, if they didn't stand, what would have happened? They would have lost it all. And here's what people do. People will tuck tail and run. And guess what they do? They blame God. Well, God, I thought you were a victorious God. I thought you were all powerful. He is. Listen, he will fight for you. You know what our job is to do, my church family? Our job is to stand. Can I hear a good amen today? That's why Ephesians chapter 6 verse says, it says, having, uh, listen, listen how powerful this is. Having done all to what? Stand. He doesn't say you have to have the whole Bible memorized and all of the books of the Bible. That's not what he says. He says you have to stand because here's the reality. When you stand in truth, the enemy can't stand in truth because he stands in lies. When you stand in forgiveness, the enemy can't touch you, right? Because he stands in unforgiveness and, and bitterness. But here's the reality. Some people will give up. And here's a question I always ask myself. What am I giving up by giving up? What am I giving up by giving up? Some people don't think about that. And what if all I have to do is stand in the power 
That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And above all, everything else, he says, all that I want you to do is stand. And he says, here's what he says, ready? And having, after even you've, you've, you've made a choice to stand, guess what you're going to still have to do? Stand. Pastor Phil, how long do I stand? You stand until you see victory. Can I hear a good amen today? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 talks about giving up and talks about fainting in our mind. It says, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The first place that we faint is in our minds. The first place that we begin to quit is in our minds. And that's what the enemy, that's where the battle is. I love what Joyce Meyer, she says, she has a whole book called The Battlefield of the Mind because that's what it is. You see the enemy. You look around, you see people leaving. The enemy looks fierce. But how many of you know faith does not go by what it sees? Faith goes by what it believes. And so I believe that no matter how big the giants are, how vast the enemy is, my God is stronger. Can I hear a good amen? And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I think we should take a praise break and give the Lord a good round of applause because he's good. Stand. You make a decision to stand, and God wins the battle. You know, I want to just share with you seven things that I think we need to stand for. And we all are standing for something. But you say, Pastor Phil, why do I need to stand? Well, I'll tell you one reason. Because Jesus stood for you. He went on a cross for each and every one of us, and he stood there for you. And so because he took the stand, we can take a stand. Here's the first thing I believe we need to stand for. We need to stand for the Lord. We need to stand for the Lord. You know, there's a movement in the world right now to downgrade who the Lord is. And I I hear people all the time, well, God, well, God. You can call him God, but I want to tell you, our God, the Lord, has a name, and his name is Jesus. He's not just God. He's Jesus. And the Bible says his name is the name above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess the name of Jesus. So I'm not just talking about a God. I'm talking about the God, the Lord, and his name is Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 3.8 says this, for now we live. Everybody say live. For we now live if you stand fast in the Lord. You know, what's interesting is that our life comes from the Lord. True life comes from the Lord. You know, this word life means this in the Greek. It means to write our biography. You know, what will be the story of your life? What will be the story of your life? Will you be known for standing or will you be known for collapsing? Will you be known for standing Or will you be known as a coward? Right? Now, here's the truth. God is the author of our story. But you're the editor. You're the editor. God has given you free will. Now, you can live the story as God has intended it. How do I live the story how God, the author of my life, has intended it? You stand. Or you can edit it by giving in, compromising, compromising to sin, making the bad decisions, right? So how do you live this life that God offered, authored? Is it you take a stand in him? And again, let me ask you this. What will your story be like? I, for 30 years, I was telling my family, they asked me to speak at my grandmother's funeral. And uh, I've had the honor and the privilege to be with families in this moment as 
you know, a family, a, uh, a family member has passed away or a friend. And you always hear people get up and speak and they start talking about this person. They talk about their life, what their life represents. And it always causes me to walk away from these funerals thinking, what is going to be my legacy? What, is, what impact am I going to have? What is my story? Because for our family, there was probably about 100 people at this funeral all being affected by my, my grandmother who was an incredible woman. And her life was speaking to them. And a lot of them are saved. A lot of them are Christians because of her. Check this out. This is pretty crazy. My great, great grandmother took my grandmother to church and my great grandmother took my grandmother to church. My grandmother took my mom to church. My mom took me to church. And about 70% of the people in that room were Christians because the story of my grandmother's life was we're going to stand for the Lord. Can I hear a good amen today? What are you going to be known for? What is the story of your life? Are you going to be known for a person who lived righteously? Or are you going to be known as, and the story of your life is going to be you compromised all the time? Listen, because we know, people, people know, I think uh, we don't really understand that our life has a ripple effect. You know, there's a, a statistic that said the shyest person will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. So the question becomes, what is the influence? What, what is the influence? Will you be known as a person who lifted people up? Or are you going to be known as that person who always pulled people down? Are you going to be known for love and grace? Or the story of your life is going to be about hurt and hate? What is the story of your life going to be? Will you be known for taking a stand and following Jesus? Or were you going to just be known as one of these silent followers who just gave in? And this is what Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so fast, stand fast in the Lord, be loved. But here's the reality. When you take a stand, you need to know what you're taking a stand for. You can't be confused about what you're taking a stand for. You can't have divided loyalties. loyalties. It's a stand for the Lord. Now, there's a lot of people when Jesus walked on the earth, They were entertained by Jesus. They saw the miracles. A lot of them followed Jesus simply because he fed them, right? They were along for the free food, but watch this. But as soon as the loaves and the fishes ran out, they didn't follow anymore. And so Jesus makes this statement, and this is where a lot of people said, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't following you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and what? Follow me. Now, brief infomercial here. Sickness is not bearing up your cross and following Jesus. I've heard people say, I have cancer. It's just my cross to bear. No, it's not. I I wish sometimes we just read the Bible. Do you know that the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes you were healed? And he hung on the cross. There's so many scriptures that not only talk about your salvation, but also talk about healing in the same verse, that he heals your diseases and forgives your sicknesses. The cross to bear is not a disease. Can I hear a good amen? Jesus overcame on the cross so you could be healthy. That's not our cross to bear. That's not our cross to bear. But here's what take up your cross means in the literal Greek. Jesus was saying this. It means to take a stand. Jesus took a stand against sin on the cross. Jesus took a stand for forgiveness. Jesus took a stand for you by dying for you 
on the cross. So what he was saying was, you're coming to me and you're getting all the free food. But listen, I need to tell you the truth. The truth is, is when you mention my name, people aren't going to like it. When you mention my name, people are going to think you're some religious zealot. People are going to think you're wacky and people are going to think you're weird. So you need to know that at some point you're going to have to take up your cross and you're going to have to make a stand. And many people said, "Mm -mm, I'm just here for the free stuff. I'm out. But it's important that we know this. Jesus said, look, look what he said. He said, deny yourself first, right? And then pick up your cross. This is what Christianity is about. It's let deny ourselves. The kingdom of God is about denying ourselves, not self-fulfillment. But here's what I think we need to know is that you and I, the kingdom of God is a backwards kingdom, right? What is, what is Jesus said? What is Jesus said? He says, if you want to live first, you must die. At 19 years old, I gave my life to Jesus, and the old Phil was gone, and Jesus gave me a holy life. It's a backwards kingdom. People say, I need to get, 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 and Jesus says, first what you need to do is give. Give, and it shall be given unto you, right? People say, you got to live. you got to live, live, live. Well, first, if you die to self, you'll really live. I was so selfish to live until I was about 19 years old. Everything was about me. That's why I got down on my knees and was just going to commit suicide because you just can't fulfill self. You have to put self on the altar. And when self goes on the altar, you find what life really is. You will never know what life is until you receive Jesus and have him a part of your life because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, can I get a better amen than that? So taking up your cross is taking up a stand and and making a stand. And it's tough. I know. I know it's tough to take a stand. I know it's tough to take a stand, especially against the world's ways, you know, against compromise. It's tough to to not give in. It's tough, right? You say, Pastor Phil, if I make a stand, people are going to talk about me. Can I just tell you when people aren't talking about me, then I'm concerned. People talk about people who are doing something. People who are talking about people who are making a stand. People aren't talking. I'm making a stand. Yeah, it's tough to make a stand. You may feel alone, but here's the great news. We are not alone because when you stand, God stands with you and God brings about the victory. Can I hear a good amen today? Here's the second thing. We need to take a stand for the gospel. This is the word of God. It's 100% truth. You know, we live in a world right now. (laughs) There's no absolute truth. When people say that, I really, and hear my heart, and you, you'll be real thankful I'm a Christian now. I just want to smack them in the mouth and go, was that true? Did you feel that? Is that real pain? Is that true pain that I just smacked you in the mouth? Because there is truth. Now, thank God I don't do that. I'm a pastor now. Come on. But I, there's no absolute truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And here's what we need to know is that Jesus and his word are one. First Corinthians 15, 1 says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received, in which you stand. We stand on the word of God. That's why when you make a stand for God, you stand in truth, not in lies. And the Bible says that this gospel has power. Look, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to some people. Is that what it says? To some people? What does it say? Say it loud. Everyone who what? Who's religious? Everyone who what? 
believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when you stand on God's word, you actually stand on the very power that saves, that saves people, right? There's so many people right now who are hurting. There are so many people who need this truth of this gospel to know how good God is. And we need to take a stand for the gospel. And when you stand on this gospel, you stand for the power. You know, a lot, I, talk, I get a chance to talk to a lot of people. And it's very easy for me to get into my opinions. But I want to tell you something. People don't need your opinions. They need the gospel. People need to know what Jesus said because that's what has the power. I'll have people and they'll start telling me their opinion and they quote and they misquote the Bible. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Do you not know you're talking to Pastor Phil who's read, read, read the Bible? And they'll go off and, well, I think Jesus. And then I'll just say, well, actually what Jesus said was, and they just kind of look at me. Listen, we can have our opinions all day, but the reality of it is, this is the truth. And here's the great thing. This has the power to save people and set people free. How many of you believe that today? Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says, And he himself existed, talking about God our Lord, and is before all things, and in him all things are held together. All things are hold, or or, um, all things hold together. So this right here, this word will hold your life together when you're falling apart. That's why people say, I I had one preacher said he had his Bible and it was just all torn apart. This is actually a newer Bible for me too because mine was was just falling apart. He says, usually when your word is falling falling apart, your life is not. Your life is not. Here's another thing. We have to stand in faith. Number three, in four faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse three says, watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Come on, be brave. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to be brave. Be brave. Be brave. Be strong. You know why we can be strong? Because God is strong. We don't serve no wimpy God. He beat death, hell, and the grave. Paul said this about faith. Paul said, we have this spirit of faith. Therefore, we believe. Therefore, we speak. So in reality, faith is a confession. I like to say it this way. Confession is faith's expression. Faith without works is dead faith has to be expressed. There has to be action, right? Faith is not a work, right? Just because you do something doesn't mean you have faith, but you have to add works to your faith. That's what James said. He says, you want to see my faith? Look at my love. Look at how I'm loving people. Look at what I'm doing. You'll see my faith. And Paul says, we have this great spirit of faith that we believe, therefore we speak. And so when I'm speaking, that's an action. That's faith, right? So if you're speaking negatively, you're not standing in faith. Can I give you an example of what speaking negatively is? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You know, I can't do this. I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't know how this is going to work out. Oh, this is too hard. This is way too hard. I can do hard things because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know how it's going to work out, but he's going to work it out. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but he's going to make it happen. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start speaking God's word in these moments. And when you speak God's word, you're speaking. Faith is speaking what God has already spoken over your life. And God says you are a world overcomer. So taking a stand, you know what that means? That means I'm guarding my mouth. That's why it's so important how we speak over our kids. We speak over our kids. Even my, my son... You know, uh, when he's, he's made grades that we just, we just knew, we, we never asked for 
honor roll, although he made the honor roll, we never asked, we just told him, here's what, here are our criteria, we want you to do your best, and so sometimes he'll come with a, a grade that's less than what we think he can do, and I'll show him that grade, and I said, is this who you are? Is this, is this who you are? Could you have done better? Yes, Dad, I could have done better. That's right, because you're intelligent, you're smart, this is less than who you are. I, I don't say, wow, look at this grade, you're such a stupid idiot. You take out the and him walk away all defeated. Is that how, is that speaking faith? No, speaking faith is that, you know what, you have the mind of Christ in you. Come on, when your kid brings home an F, it's not for fun. How many of you know? But you start to begin to say, you know what? No, you have the mind of Christ. You're an overcomer. You know, this math, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. And you get your kids starting to walk into math class like this, not like this. Because you speak faith. You speak faith to your partner. You speak faith to your spouse, right? You don't say of your husband, man, you're such a lazy, that's not what you say. You know what you say? I love about you that you are a man of God. Come on, somebody. I love how you believe. I love how hard you work. I love how much you, you love our family. I love that you take a stand and you're not a coward. Like Now, let me just tell you this. Let me warn you, do not bring me into your fights, okay? Like Pastor Phil said on Sunday. No, don't do that because people come up to me like, my wife was listening to your message and she said that you said, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. But I want to encourage you. You start to speak life. Come on, man. Come on. You start to speak life during the day. Oh, honey, you look so good today. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, there's something. Come on, speak through the eyes of faith in Jesus' name. Come on, see them the way God sees this. Oh, my goodness, you're looking good. Oh, you are a precious. Come on, guys, if you'll do that during the day, you'll have more fun at night. Thank you. Come on, Mr. Brown. You know I'm telling the truth. It doesn't take anything to speak those things as they are, as they are. That's why faith says, the Bible says, that God speaks those things as not as though they are. In other words, he starts speaking them into existence. That's how he created the world. And you're creating the world that you live in by the things that you say. By the things that you say. We've got to take a stand for faith. First, John, Are you getting something out of today? I don't know if you're glad you came, but I'm glad I came. First John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. How many people do we have have born of God? Let me see your hand. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And it's in faith that we overcome the world. It's in faith. Here's another one. Number four, we got to take a stand for right living. John 15, 19. If you were of the world... The world would love its own. But yet, because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, a lot of the disciples found it an honor to be persecuted by the world. Peter was crucified upside down because they were going to crucify him like Jesus. And he told them, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Crucify me upside down. See, the disciples thought being persecuted for Jesus was an honor because they knew that when people persecuted Jesus and now that they persecute them, they were acting like Jesus. And I just want to help us today as we make a stand. Jesus was perfect. He loved every single person, but the world still crucified him. And as you live your life, as you love people, you just need to know that they hated him. This is what he's telling me. He's telling us, Phil, listen, if you were just doing everything the world does, man, they'll, they'll greet you, they'll love you. But as soon as you make a stand for me, you just need to know 
that they will hate you, that they won't like you. You know, I think people describe Christianity as this list of do's and don'ts. You know what Christianity is? Christianity is life with God, life with, with, with Jesus. It's a lifestyle that outlines how the abundant life that Jesus came to give us is supposed to be peace, joy, victory. There's a reason why the scriptures lead us to make right choices, to make right choices. My former pastor used to say, you make your choices, then your choices make you. And you make your choices, and a lot of times you you can make your choice, but you can't choose the consequences that come with that choice. That's why this life, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. But right believing, your faith leads you to making the right choices, and the right choices are going to lead to the God kind of life. And let me just encourage you. Some of us have made really bad choices. And some of us made choices, and we didn't know better. But I'm going to tell you, God forgives, and God forgets. And God restores. And today we can make a decision to say, I'm going to stand up for right living. And if you make that stand, you're not alone. People may turn their backs on you, but God is with you. And I'm going to tell you this. I'd rather be alone than the company. I'd rather be alone than in the company of a bunch of fools. I'd rather be alone than be in the company of a bunch of idiots. The Bible says, right? It says, corrupt manners. Or what, what does the Bible say? Anybody know what the Bible says about your, your, your associations? Bad company corrupts good manners. Watch this. Hang out with that dude who's killing 800 men. Stay, hang out with that dude who's going against the enemy. Hang out with Eleazar, who when times get tough, his hand gets stuck to the sword. Hang out with Sharma and his field of beans. You hang out with people like that. Don't be surprised that you don't start to see your life overcoming. Why? If you hang out with overcomers, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start overcoming. Hang out with people of faith, and that faith is going to be contagious. Just like fear is contagious, faith is contagious. That's why you need to hang out with people who are speaking God's word. And I know it's tough. You're like, well, Pastor Phil, you know, I have some good friends. I just don't want to leave them. God will take care of them. But listen, you need to hang around people because the Bible says that the wise, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you walk with fools, you will, you will become foolish. Can I hear a good amen today? And you're not alone. I put in my notes, pick your friends, pick your people. I'm telling you what, I'm going to hang with David. He's killing giants. I'm going to hang with Shama. I'm going to hang with Benaiah who jumped in a pit with a, a, a lion on a snowy day and grabbed the lion. And I'm going to hang out with those guys because you know what? That's how I'm going to overcome. Can I hear a good amen today? Here's another one. Number five, we need to make a stand against sin. You know, let's be, let's be truthful. And the Bible says it. Sin is pleasurable, but for a season. Oh, it's pleasurable for a season. So in other words, what happens is you start enjoying it, but you don't realize that you thought you could control it, but now it controls you. I love this quote. It says, sin will always take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you always wanted to pay. And here's the great news. We can overcome sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. Psalms 94, 16. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? And let me just say this today. I love sinners. Jesus loved them. Jesus hung out with them to the point that the Pharisees said, why, why is he hanging out with them? And I think here's where we miss it, my church family. We're not supposed to be about condemning people. 
We're supposed to be about loving people. As a matter of fact, Jesus even said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to save it. So a lot of people have this bad view of Jesus because Christians are condemning them. I'm I'm really amazed when I get on Facebook and I see Christians just condemning people. And I'm like, don't you understand the world is watching us? And I'm taking a stand against sin, but I'm not going to condemn you. I want to love you and help you. Can I hear a good amen today? It's not our job to judge. Listen, you are not Judge Judy. And you are not Judge Jesus either. This is what I love about him. People ask me all these weird questions about this. And I said, you know what? Talk to him. He's the judge. He's, the, he's our savior. And one day when you die, you're either going to stand before him as your judge or you're going to stand before him and, as your savior. But you get to choose that. But you know what? He loves you and he wants to help you overcome sin. Well, but what we need is Christians that will stand up and tell their story and tell their testimony. Hey, I was addicted to weed, but you know what? Because of what Jesus did, he overcome. And listen, you may be smoking weed, and if I can overcome, you can overcome. Hey, somebody say, I was addicted to pornography, but you know what? Because of Jesus and what he did in my life, you can overcome too. Come on, somebody, not beat people over the head and say, you know what? Why are you doing that? You know, I was in the ER probably about four or five months ago because I was struggling in my health and I was so impressed by the medical staff because people were coming in and the lady next to me was drunker than a skunk. I mean, to the point where she was throwing up. I mean, it was, I mean, and they thought that she was hemorrhaging. You know what I loved about that? I love that none of the staff asked her, why are you doing that? Why don't you just stop drinking? You know, it'd be so much better. You know what they did? They helped her. You know what they did? They got in there and they helped that woman. That needs to be what the church is like. We need to stop asking so many questions. Why are you so dumb? Why are you, you know what we need to do? We need to lend a hand. We need to lift people up and, instead of smacking people down. Come on, is anybody in agreement with that? We need to show them the love of Jesus Christ. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your heart. Don't be double-minded. Listen, we've got to submit to God first, and then we can resist the devil. You know, submitting to God, any area in your life that is not submitted to God, the devil can have access to. Any area in your life that is not submitted to God, it's like going to sleep tonight and opening up that door, your front door, and not locking it. Well, they came in, they robbed me. Well, stop leaving the door open. You know, the Bible says in the book of Malachi, it talks about tithing, and it says this. God says, when you tithe, I will rebuke Satan for your sake. In other words, if when we submit areas of our lives, submit our finances to God, God says, okay, they're not just your finances, Phil. I'm taking care of those. The devil does not have access to your finances because your finances are submitted to God. Any area of your life. Some people are like, I love coming to church. And can I just tell you, just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're submitted to God, right? Just because you read the verse of the day doesn't mean that you're submitted to God, right? Oh, Pastor Phil, I went to church last month. Just because you came to church last month doesn't mean that you are submitted to God. And some people are like, I love just coming to church. It's great. But then in their love life, they don't abide by what God says. And if you do that, if you'll abide by God, what he says, he will protect you. You'll have an incredible life. But so many people end up with diseases and heartbreak. Why? Because they had an area of their life that was not submitted to God. But here's the great thing. When you submit to God, sin has no power over you unless you give it power over you. Can I hear a good amen today? 
But a lot of people believe, you know, Pastor Phil, I can't resist. No, you can resist. But the first thing is submitting your life to God, and you can overcome. Are you glad you came to church today? Two more. We need to make a stand. Number six, for church. We need to make a stand for the church. Psalms 134, verse 1. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. I love how it says by night because at night, when it's, that's when it's dark. That's when you can't see your way. And it's not just in the good times, right? But it's in all seasons. God wants you to be in his house. Not just once a month, not just twice a month. You need to be in his house all the time. Every time you can, you need to come to the place where there's peace, where there's joy, where there's faith. Just think about this for just one moment, okay? Look at how many people in here. And the church is growing, and it's growing little by little because we're in the summer. But imagine for a moment the faith that is in this room. Let's fill this room with faith. You know, this can be, it's one thing you standing in faith by yourself, but when you come to church and you get in an atmosphere of faith, my church family, I'm just telling you, there's gonna be times in worship as people at Passion Life Church are worshiping, healing's gonna happen. Why? Because faith is in this room. Can I hear a good amen today? You wanna be in a faith-filled atmosphere where God is is doing something. You know, for the Valdez family, this is a non-negotiable. We come to church. Well, of course, Pastor Phil, you are the pastor. You know why I come to church? I come to church because my mom used to bring me to church. I didn't have a decision to make. There was one time I had a fever of like 110. I don't know if that's legally dead. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to die in church. She goes, being and dying in church is the best place to die. Because right after you die in church, we can do the funeral. Everybody's there. The priest is already there. Might as well just die in church if you're going to die. I didn't have, I'd be on the floor with, with a fever. And we'd come, now I'm not saying to do that today, but that's how we grew up. But guess what, my church family? I didn't turn out so bad. I didn't turn out so bad. And you know at my, my grandmother's funeral, we heard that my great-grandmother, my great-great-grandmother, my grandmother all went to church. My cousin got up, and he said, you know what's interesting to me? My cousin travels all around the world preaching the gospel. He said, we have a great legacy in our family. Out of all of the grandchildren, all my cousins, all the great-grandchildren, this is what he said, none of them are in rehab. All of my family are a success. Not all of them are saved, but because my grandmother always went to church. My grandmother prayed for all of us every day by name, prayed for us by name. And you know what? Even the ones that aren't saved, my cousin got up and he said, all of us in this room are some type of success. Can I tell you, my church family, because my, my grandmother, my mother left a legacy of we go to church. Can I hear a good amen today? We go to church. And I want to say this today. You need to take a stand for your family to go to church. I'm going to end with this last one, but I want to say this. After youth pastoring for 12 years, I would have parents, because our youth ministry was thriving, it's probably about 750 kids in the youth ministry, the kids would beg their parents. I would have kids begging their parents on Sunday mornings to take them to church. Get up, Mom. We need to go to church. And you know what would happen is the parent would drive and drop the kid off and leave them and not come to church themselves. And I've sat in many, many counseling rooms with parents, and they're saying, well, my kid, my kid, my kid. And then one had the audacity to tell me, you know, I dropped them off for church. And I said, oh, you dropped them off their church? 
And where do you go? Oh, I don't go to church. Oh, so you're going to make your kid come to church, but you won't come to church yourself. You think it's good enough for them, and now you have the audacity to bring your kid in here and tell me that they need correction? Um, For just a moment, your kid's doing pretty good just because they had one error. Uh, Can I encourage you, sir and ma'am, you need to be in church as well. Parents, it's up to you. You need to make a decision. We go to church. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause. Are you ready for this? You can tweet this. Parents who don't go to church have kids that don't go to church. It's up to you to stand up. Here's the last one as we close today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We need to make a stand for liberty. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, liberty means freedom. You know, the Bible says that Jesus died to make us free. The Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I want to encourage you, don't let anyone try to bring you back to a life of bondage. There's freedom. And here's what I'm going to tell you about freedom. Because I've been set free in probably the last four years of a lot of things. I love freedom. It's so good to be free. And you don't have to be bogged down by sin. Jesus died on the cross for freedom. And you know what? We're going to have a a church that is going to stand for the freedom that God gives us. You are free people because of what Jesus did. Now, it's up to you. If you're going to hang out with people who are constantly in bondage, constantly addicted to things, they're going to try to, to pull you out. I've talked to so many people who have told me, Phil, you know, I, I can't overcome smoking. I, I'm addicted to smoking. I, I, I keep saying, well, how are you going to stop smoking when you're hanging out with people who are blowing it in your face? All your friends are like, <laughs> you're like, I, I can't, I can't stop. Well, yeah. You may have to change the people you hang out with, and not the people that are trying to drag you down, but hang out with people who see you as God sees you and hang out with free people and watch what God can do. Would you stand with me today as we pray? Do you receive this? Come on. I know you do. Thank you for listening today. We're going to take a we hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com. Jesus took a stand for you on the cross, and he did that so you can be free and forgiven. With every head bowed, every eye closed, whether you're watching online or not, I want you to know Jesus wants you free. He wants you free from being dominated by bad choices, by addiction, by the wrong people. He wants you free. He also wants you free from sin, and he wants you forgiven so one day you can stand before God, the Father, and you can do that by what Jesus did on the cross. He died to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed, and he loves you so much. And I want to give you this morning, if you're watching or listening, and you're here in person, to give you the opportunity to invite Jesus to come inside your heart. Again, you make your choices, but your choices make you. My uncle said it this great at the funeral. He says, God, people ask him why God sends people to hell. The Bible never says that God sends people to hell. The Bible says that people make a choice to either live or die. People make a choice to either spend their eternity with God in heaven forever or They make a choice to live without him, but the choice is yours. And today, Jesus wants to come inside your heart. 
Today he wants to make you new on the inside. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to stand with you in your family, at your job. He wants you to, he wants to stand for love with you. He wants to stand for joy in your life. But today, if you want to receive him and you never have, I want to give you this opportunity. Here's how you do it. I want you to say this prayer with me. Passion Life Church, I want you to repeat after me so those who are saying it today will not feel like they are alone. If you're online, say this with me. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Father God. Come on, say it loud. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart. Today I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I'm going to stand for you in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed for just a moment. I want to pray over you. Father, today I thank you for strength to stand. Father, I know everybody in this room and online is fighting a battle that maybe not everyone would know about. And Lord, we know your word is true. And today we stand with you. We stand in your strength and we resist the enemy even when others are running. We stand. We stand for your house, for your church. We stand in faith. We stand against the evildoers, Father. We stand. And Lord, when we stand, you bring about the victory. And Lord, we see victory. We see victory today in the name of Jesus. I speak, I speak victory, victory, and that your people are victorious in the name of Jesus. Greater are you, Lord, that is in them than anyone else that is against them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak life. I speak boldness to your people, strength to your sons and your daughters in the name of Jesus, that signs and wonders follow them because they believe that they are difference makers. They are influencers, not just for their own business, but for your kingdom in the name of Jesus. And I speak today that no weapon that is formed against your people shall prosper, that every tongue that has been risen up against them shall fall in the name of Jesus. I break every negative word that has been spoken over their lives, and I speak your word, Father, the word of life over them in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause today. Listen, I love you. Next week, Pastor Tracy Armstrong will be with us. It's going to be powerful. We'll invite some people to church. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. You are dismissed.